everyone. Welcome to HubShot's episode 212. In this episode, we talk about GPT-3. And no, that's not a fast car. Core Web Vitals, HubSpot AI, HubSpot Delay Until Event Workflow Actions, plus Drag and Drop Email Gotcha. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, strategies, and features for growing your sales, service, and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, really good. And like last episode, we have so much to get through this episode. So many cool things. We're only going to touch on them, scratch the surface, especially when we come up to our first one. But first, you pulled out a great review that we got. And gee, we love to see these, don't we? That's right. So thank you to all of our listeners that take the time to leave us reviews. And I'm going to read one out from Weatherheader here. And we know who you are. And here it is. It says, bringers of marketing goodness. I'm a longtime fan of Ian and Craig's superb podcast. Their format and content keeps me connected into the evolving space of digital marketing. Alongside expert HubSpot Insight, their podcast concisely discusses and provokes how we tackle holistic modern marketing not just the digital trends. Thanks for your many years of contributing to the ANZ marketing community. And how cool is that? Thanks, Dan. Yeah, thanks so much, Dan. And look, we don't do it often. We don't do this kind of thing often where we kind of luxuriate in something like that. But frankly, it, it, it just made my day when I saw this. And thank you so much. And wow. If you want to write another review, value them greatly. Thank you so much. And thank you for uh, recommending us to other people as well and sharing uh, about the podcast. Thank you so much. All right, Craig. Now, GPT-3, it's not a new uh, car like I said before. What is this? Okay, I'm quickly going to touch on the topic because it's been getting a lot of excitement in the last week or two. Uh, We're recording this on the 23rd of July. So in the last couple of weeks, it's been getting a lot of interest on Twitter. And by the time you... Uh, actually hear the show, it might have died down a bit. But I think it's worth just quickly giving an overview of GPT-3. You're going to hear a lot more of it in the coming year. And for marketers, this is just something for you to be aware of. You can't actually use it yourself yet. I mean, unless you're a beta user. But very quickly, what it is, it's the next iteration of an artificial intelligence, I'm going to say algorithm or API, developed by OpenAI, which is a company. There's a few people, Elon Musk, Sam Altman, I think Reid Hoffman's in there, a bunch of others. Although I don't think Elon Musk is still, he might have resigned. Anyway, it doesn't matter. A bunch of really smart people have formed it. And their whole goal is to build artificial intelligence tools with the caveat that they protect it so it's not abused. So that's kind of an undergirding principle behind it. Anyway, there's been a few iterations, GPT-1, GPT-2. GPT-3 has a massive, massive data set that it's put together. And it's really just about forming connections between words and concepts. I'm not an expert in it. I don't pretend to. And the part of me explaining it here is not because I'm an expert or I've used it, but just to highlight to marketers, you need to be following this trend. And if nothing else, look at some of the show note links that we've got where we point off to a Wired article, some other good examples where people are using this to write content. In fact, one of the links I'll send you to, I'm not going to tell you because you have to read it first. Halfway through, you go, oh, actually, this was written by this OpenAI GPT-3. So they put in a few topics and then the AI writes this content. 
And then this doesn't just apply to content. It's about sequences. People are using it in Excel. They're using it in all kinds of things to uh, see kind of um, uh, what's it when you um, forward a trend. I've just had a mind blank. I need the AI to help me. Let um, me get the AI to help you out, Craig. Extrapolate. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Extrapolate. My goodness. Folks, it's only 7.30 at night and I still can't. I've uh, lost my It's your haircut, abilities. Craig. You're losing lots of heat through the top of your head. <laughs> you know what? I should do one of those special cognitive tests that a president of a certain country did recently. I wonder if I'd even pass, frankly, the way I'm going in this segment. But look, this is exciting stuff. And really, marketers ought to be scared about this kind of thing because it's going to put a lot of them out of work. The way it's going to write ads, it's going to write content, it's going to write briefs, it's going to look at trends, it's going to assimilate information, pull out insights. This is incredible. Have you you've seen some of the demos, Ian? What, what's been your response? I'm pretty amazed. And I think you're quite right in saying, Craig, we should all be concerned as marketers, and I think we're seeing this already in certain tools that we use where this is happening, you know, with recommendations, with suggestions. And I'm like, wow, it's like we're having to do less and less of the things we used to do. But I recommend everybody watch that video that you we have put in the show notes. All right, listeners, on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And you know how we love workflows to automate stuff. And here is two little things that have been highlighted and this is the workflow delay action and we mentioned this back in 206 but now there is a delay until event happens and Craig what are those events that we can delay till yeah so this is really cool this is around having a workflow pause perhaps indefinitely waiting for an event and the three events are a page visited a form submitted or a property value changed And when you think about property value changed, you could basically change a property based on just about anything that you can think of. So as long as you can catch that and switch it. So this is going to be exciting. I only saw this, I think, uh, yesterday. So I haven't actually played around to build out a an example just full disclosure i don't normally like to mention stuff in the show if i haven't actually built anything with it yet but one of the ones i'm looking at is really around onboarding you can imagine onboarding sequences here where you build a a welcome possibly a nurture but wait for them to do something Uh, you could even use this internally staff make sure they visit a page go and view something tick something property changes okay next sent email in a sequence or create a task all kinds of things could happen. So you might even, the possibilities are endless, even just chatting about them, you think about some of them. People on a nurture workflow, they come back, they wait until they visit another page that connects a task that goes off to sales and then something else triggers. So lots of opportunity here. And as we build these out, I I almost want to make a shot each show, which will be this episode's (laughs) delay until event scenario shot i just reckon there's going to be so many useful ways to use this new workflow action now craig you highlighted a really interesting one was onboarding and checking to see if people have visited particular pages on your site and i think that's a really good good example because i know for a fact we always think about people externally to our businesses utilizing our site. But what about people internally to our businesses that actually know what's going on when website updates are happening or pricing changes take place? Are they actually on board? Are they looking at stuff? So this is actually a really good way to maybe trigger something off. 
when that takes place. Now, Craig, the HubSpot sales feature of the week, and we've discussed this in the last two episodes or the last episode. Yeah, you know, they're speaking of AI from GPT-3 in the opening instance. I wonder if HubSpot's going to embrace that as part of what you're about to discuss further. That's right. So listeners, we spoke about HubSpot AI being enabled on your inbox. Now, the previous episode, we turned it on. We had a little bit of a gotcha, especially if you your account was already pre-existing. Now, on new accounts, I think when you connect it, it might automatically happen. But we've had it running and it got me excited because it's saved in putting data like job title, addresses, telephone numbers, etc into the contact record. And I've actually got a screenshot of where the HubSpot AI has intervened and filled out all of those details. And I tell you what, I've been talking to all of our customers and clients and showing this to them, especially all the sales guys, and they're cheering. (laughs) They're so excited. So I know it's working. And listeners, if you haven't turned this on in your portal, just go and do it. It takes a whole of uh, two minutes and get it get it started because I think you'll find some benefits from that. The thing I really like about this, and you've got this in the screenshot in the show notes, is the source. So you can tell which properties have actually been changed by HubSpot AI because that was my question. I was wondering, okay, great, it's doing this kind of stuff behind the scenes. How do you actually know what it's done? And, of course, I shouldn't have been concerned. It's right there. It's marked in the source and next to each property change. All right, Craig, on to the HubSpot stumper of the week. All right, this was originally going to be in my gotcha, but I put it in the stumper because I've got another thing that's in the gotcha. But I just wanted to remind or alert people to the HubSpot drag and drop email layouts versus modules confusion that sometimes you might run into. So this will make more sense when you see the screenshot. But if you're in a drag and drop email, which by the way, you should be using drag and drop email. Can you even bear to use the previous emails, Ian? No. No, Greg. It's drag and drop. It, like everything is drag and drop. Even when we go back, it, you, you think, oh, I'll just clone a previous newsletter from six months ago, you know, because the template was great. I'm like, nah, I'm just building it again from start. It's drag and drop. It's so much better. However, One of the gotchas or things that confused me, I have to say, and it's kind of embarrassing now that I look at it, but because I fell for it, perhaps someone else will as well, is I was dragging on content modules onto, uh, it's just a simple newsletter layout, and I dragged one module from a section below into a section above. Now, what I hadn't realized was, and here's why you fall into it, because you have single column layouts. I don't know, do you ever do any more than single column? Do you ever do two column? No. Kind of best practice is single column emails these days, predominantly because a lot of mobile users and single column is the best way. I do see still people building double two column or even worse emails and look, just stop it. I think it's a bad idea. But single column, you kind of think, oh, I've got one layout. This is the trap you fall into. I've got one layout that I can use. No, you can drag many single layout items onto your email and the, the, the problem I fell into is I was dragging content items in but I was dragging between layouts and they were changing formatting and I didn't realize here's the here's the thing styling is set at the layout level not the module level so when you've got single column you think oh they're all just single modules where's the styling well it's done on the layout and you can just drag multiple layouts in it's really easy and kind of obvious when you know, and 
if you're familiar with it, you'd be going, Craig, what is your problem? How, how did you fall for this? If you're not that familiar, then maybe that's a helper to you. And thanks to Roslyn. You know what? We're on a... <laughs> We're having our daily catch-up today with the team. And I said, oh, I've got this problem with uh, drag-and-drop email layouts. What am I doing wrong? Oh, Rosalind, can you just, at the end, can you just show me, you know, within 30 seconds? She just goes, no, no, you just drag that layer. And I was like, oh, I knew it was simple. I'd have been stuffing around for 15 minutes trying to sort it out. So there you go. All right, listeners, now here's a HubSpot gotcha of the week. And this is HubSpot lifecycle changes using a workflow. And just a reminder that if you move a life cycle backwards from a sales qualified lead to a marketing qualified lead in the workflow, you must clear the life cycle property first. And we've put an example of how to do that, but you can't just set that property. So you've got to clear it and then update it in an action. So this is a bit of a gotcha. This was on a client site. We found this. They had uh, somehow accidentally sent a whole bunch of contacts to be evangelists life cycle and so then they went oh yeah we'll just put them in a workflow and set them all back to marketing qualified lead and of course it it failed and that's why we said yep you've got to clear it first if you're going to set it back you can set it forwards easily but you can't set it mm. back without is that the first. only one craig or is there other ones that you've got to do the same i think that might be the only ones do you mean other fields yeah yeah um I think Lifecycles feels the only one I'm aware of that you have to clear before yeah. setting it back. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I could be wrong and something might change. Listeners, let us know. All right, our marketing tip of the week, Craig. Now, this is really interesting and we talked about understanding core web vitals. And in essence, it's really about understanding real world user experiences, experience metrics, essentially, when viewing a website. And so now we're going to talk through, there are three key metrics that this encompasses and why this is important, right? So Craig, do you want to explain what the three are? And then we'll we'll talk about a bit more about why it's important for us to understand this going forward. Yeah. So this is right. So core web vitals, you're probably seeing it referred to a lot, but you haven't actually taken the time to read about what it is. It's actually really simple, but unfortunately they use a bunch of terms that make it sound complex and techy and oh a bit of, you know, a bit of leave that to the tech team it's not it's really simple and here's all you need to think of it you need to think it's how quickly can i interact with a web page and that's what these metrics are about which we will go through in a second but the reason it came up is because a client of ours obviously they'd been getting some advice someone talking in their ear saying oh google is going to use make user experience uh part of the ranking algorithm next year and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, so uh, what, what are you specifically talking about? Because, you know, we do kind of know part of that is already usage. And then, oh, are you talking about Core Web Vitals? I don't know. There was lots of weird technical terms. Turns out it was Core Web Vitals. So if you've heard this term, it's really simple. And there's three kind of metrics, and you can get at these in Google Search Console. You could, should have a good Google Search Console. Do you want to um, mention what they are? And I can give a bit of context to each as we go through sure the first one is called largest contentful paint or known as lcp the second one is cumulative layout shift also known as cls and third is first input delay which is the fid 
Well, look, if you've, if someone's telling you about these, no wonder you're kind of thinking, oh, this is a techie thing. I've got no idea what this is talking about. So let me translate that from geek speak to simple terms. Largest content for paint. Just think of that as how long does it take for the page to render? The second one, cumulative layout shift. It's like how long does it take for the page to kind of size itself? So the, a simple example, you know how they have an image placeholder sometimes. You'll see the page loading and then suddenly it jumps when the image displays. That's what they call st uh, layout shift. So uh, that second one is just how long to start displays in the format it's going to st stay displayed in. And first input delay that's really just how long before I can interact with the page. You know, it's kind of loading. You've ever had that when you're loading a page and you can't scroll because it's kind of still yes. stuck there? That's all it is. And the point of this is you can get measurements of these in Google Search Console for your, for your site. Google themselves, and we've got a link to their blog, has said, look, they've got benchmarks for each of these metrics. And if you keep your pages kind of under these metrics, you're less likely to have people leave. So, for example, that first one, largest contentful paint LCP, which is basically how long to show the page. They're saying if it's under 2.5 seconds, then most people will stick around for that longer than that and they start leaving. So it's just around how fast your site is really to work with. Which is what we've been talking about for a long time, haven't we, Craig? There's no great insight here that something's changed. It's really just about putting metrics to what we know is our general user experience of web using websites. Correct. And I think it's great that they have these thresholds, I guess. So people know where they stand. And so users, I would recommend you don't be afraid. Actually start looking at these and see how you can improve them on your site and be aware that they are in Search Console already. And you know what, Ian? What do we always say about hosting? <laughs> That's right. It's, it's sometimes just good get decent hosting. It improves a lot of these metrics. And as we said before, the number of clients where we come along, they're, they're scrimping to save. So they only spend nine bucks a month on hosting and then they send thousands of dollars worth of paid traffic to it and wonder why people are leaving. Doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Actually, there's an interesting stat I saw with one of my clients today. Had quite a high bounce rate. We switched their host and did some optimization there bounce rate has the graph just looks like ooh like that like significant and i was like oh look at that massive reduction in bounce rate oh because the page is actually loading quick and people are actually getting to what they want so they're less likely to leave and i think it's just a really clear demonstration of the simple things you can do to make a big difference to your site spot on all right uh, inside of the week craig aco studies are just guesses I'll summarize this um, in uh, two sentences. It's an article on Search Engine Journal where he breaks down all these SEO studies, you know, where people say, oh, we've uh, analyzed billions of records and here's what helps Google rankings. This article just says, <laughs> he just highlights how bogus some of them are. And there's a good quote. It's kind of like, great for sales pitches, not great for statistical reality. Uh, so... SEO studies are guesses. Sometimes the guesses can be useful though. So not disregarding them altogether, but check out the article for further details if that's of interest. All right. On to our HubSpot report of the week, Craig. And this is the email health report, which is in beta. So users, if you have not sent enough emails, there'll be nothing there. Or you've maybe, like Craig, you send way too many emails. You might not see anything because it is in beta. But 
I was looking at this and I've got a screenshot in the show notes from a customer account and it was really nicely laid out, really gives you an understanding of your overall health. And so it takes into some key health metric breakdowns and what they're looking at is open rate, click-through rate, hard bounce rate, and unsubscribe rate. And it really nicely has like a, it's like a red, orange, green, and a little bar graph about where you are. So kind of understanding at the red end, it's action needs to be taken. In the middle, it's orange work to be done. And at the end, it's on track. So that's the overall. And then below that, it gives you the breakdowns and it tells you what you need to work on. So in the screenshot, I can see open rate, I've got a little bit of work to be done. It was at 22%, but it still says I need some work there. And you can see some details. Click-through rate's not bad. Hard bounce rate, it says it's uh, on track. But my unsubscribe rate, it needs action. So really clearly understands what you need to work on. And things like, so really simple things, for example. When you send an email and emails bounce, create simple lists or contact views for your sales team to follow up their contacts to understand, hey, have they departed the company? Have they misspelt their email? Hopefully less of that happens with HubSpot AI. And, you know, maybe they moved on, so they don't want to hear from them, or maybe they have a new contact. So it's a really good way to keep the engagement with sales and the customer happening long-term. And just looking at this all the time and making people understand that this is a regular process of keeping your house tidy. You should look at this after every time you send an email, look at the metrics, do the follow-up, do the cleanup and keep it good because it will pay massive dividends in the end. Yeah. Valuable reminder, Ian. All right, Craig, we've got our resource of the week. Just quickly in passing, Bing Webmaster Tools have released a WordPress plugin. So you just Put that on your site and that allows you to easily submit site URLs to Bing. And yes, folks, you should be including Bing in your activities, especially in some industries and especially in some demographics. Older demographics, seniors tend to have um, the standard out-of-the-box laptop that has Bing as their default search engine. And also a lot of tech people I know actually use Bing. Not to be dismissed. Now, listeners, on to our quote of the week. And this is by Marcus Aurelius. And it says, waste no more time arguing what a good man should be. Be one. Or good woman, I say. All right, listeners, there are lots of good resources and bonus links in the show notes. So we encourage you to look at that. Please connect with us on LinkedIn. And thank you to those who have connected with us on LinkedIn. And even after they've connected, sent me a message saying, oh, I meant to say that I listened to the podcast. Oh, just- <laughs> oh can I just say, because I, I actually went through LinkedIn today. It's been a, probably a week or so since, and I'm way behind. So I'm so sorry, folks. But yes, a whole bunch of people are very friendly and very kind. And then said, oh, and by the way, I'm not trying to sell you something. I really appreciate it. And I will be responding to you. Thank you for that. So we do appreciate it. Please continue to connect with us. Tell us your stories. We love to hear from you guys. And if you need help, again, please don't be afraid to ask Craig or myself. We will be glad to help you or point you in the right direction. Well, Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.